Okay. Well, it says I'm live. And uh, yes, I know it starts at 630. And it's 6.19, but I thought I would jump in here and just say hi to everybody. I, I wish that we could be in the same room together, studying the Bible together. I look forward to the time. Uh, hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, it's telling me that we're not streaming on uh, Rumble, but you know, I clicked it. So anyway, we can only do what we can do. Anyway, I just want to say that I look forward to the time when we can see each other in heaven and eternity. And by then we probably won't need any Bibles. We'll be in the presence of Jesus. But you know, I look forward to that time. I look forward to the time when his servants will serve him. His name will be in their forehead. I look forward to the time when Jesus blows his morning star down and cleanses the earth of all of the sin on the earth. And at that same time, we get all our rewards. I look forward to many of the good things ahead. Yes, there's some bad things coming, but tonight we're going to be just studying the Bible. Now, let me explain how I read the Bible. Uh, King James only, and I do something real unusual. I just read the Bible in our Bible study, and we talk about it. Now, if we want to get into other things. I know that one of the things on my heart to do is to talk to you about oil in Israel, but the time is not yet. I've got too many secrets involving that. Big ears out there in the oil industry would love to know some of the things I know that the Lord has shown me in the scriptures. See, some people go looking for oil and they go out on the land, but I didn't. <laughs> I went looking into the scriptures. And the scriptures tell me the things I need to know along with the Spirit of God. So anyway, if I'm going to click remove to rumble. So I guess we're not going to be on rumble tonight. Uh, I don't even know if I'm for sure on. I hope somebody probably needs to let me know. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. I click in comments. Yes. There are some people out there. Okay. So yes. Yes. Anyway. I just want to say I love you guys. I I really wish all of you would move to the Plano, Texas area so you could all come to the Spirit of Prophecy Church, and then we could have the Bible study where we sit around a table and we pray and we sing and we rejoice. But unfortunately, you guys have not made the correct decision to move to the DFW area yet. And by the way, we have. We've had several people. We had a couple from Abilene that owned a plumbing business and gave up their plumbing business and has basically moved it to the DFW area to come to a church, had another fellow out of Mississippi, moved to the area just to go to the church. Another couple is thinking about it. A lot of our people drive a long way to come to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. And someone said, well, what's so different about your church? Well, I want to say nothing. I mean, it's just as simple as this. We just get ourselves a King James Bible, we read it, and we study it, and do our best to follow it, and try to get everybody else in the congregation to follow it. I mean, what else should there be to a church? In my opinion, that's it. But obviously, I'm wrong, because 
you know, we only have what, 20 or 30 people that come typically every Sunday. Uh, so obviously I'm wrong. What I need to be doing is telling people all sorts of things that they want to hear rather than what God tells them. But I'm stuck on the God thing. Let me jump off. By the way, by the way, if you have a question, and I said this last week, and uh, you know, it's too hard for me to look over at all of the comments and do the Bible too. If you have a question, if you will put a big Q there first, then I'll be able to hopefully be able to look at it a little quicker and see that it's a question. And I see Benjamin says shalom again. Yes. And so I, I've, I've been studying Hebrew and I plan to bring a teaching on that. I just don't know how I'm going to put it out so you folks can see it because there's some things I found in my studies that not everybody should hear, specifically the nation of Israel. So since I'm going over this. So anyway, all right, let me let me flip through some of these here. We've still got a few minutes before we start. Uh, okay, none, none with Q in front of it yet. At least none I see. By the way, I'm sorry I forgot to mention the program that we are having Bible study all this week. And probably if I'd have done that, I see Otha May's on. That's the only one that counts, right? Otha May on there. <laughs> uh, I, I would move just to come to your church. Uh, yeah, well, can you talk to my husband? Sure. Husband, move to the DFW area. Uh, you know, Texas is a really good place. It's a lot of Christians here, a lot of Christians here. And that's what I think is most important. Speaking of that, I see someone, uh, I will sign up for the $10 a month. So I, 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 I think that apparently God is wanting to bless a lot of Prophecy Club people by getting them to stand with us on a regular automatic monthly basis. And so he gave Jason Meeks this dream. And I, I read the interpretation of the dream. And matter of fact, we're going to be putting it up so you can see the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Uh, I don't know if it's already up now, but in the next 48 hours, well, by Monday or Tuesday, it should be up where you can see the whole thing. Anyway, apparently God is making plans to bless a bunch of you folks and also to see that Prophecy Club makes it through some pretty hard days ahead when we go through this financial hailstorm that just hit, which by the way, uh, <laughs> as you recall, about five weeks ago on a Friday night, we were doing the Bible study and I got hit with hail. Well, I thought it didn't do any damage. Uh, that was not correct. As a matter of fact, every neighbor, wherever, every house in the neighborhood is getting new roofs. They all have signs in the lawn. Several of them already have uh, new roofs. And one guy that's uh, a friend of the family came out and looked at it and said, yeah, your, your roof is toast. You got to get a new roof. And so they passed a new law in Texas. You can't just work in the, uh, the copay kind of into the payment anymore. You actually have to pay the copay. And the copay is like $10,000. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of high and dry right now because they're supposed to be putting on a new roof the next week. I got to write them a check for that amount. So, yeah, it's, it's not fun. But God will provide. God will provide. 
Okay. Uh, hey, Stan, can you teach me about what God said about being born again? Yes, I'd love to. Met you about 20 years ago at Prophecy Club Conference with Michael Rood. Yes, very interesting. Yeah, I've been doing it a long time. 30 years, as you can see. I used to have dark hair and a dark mustache, and that left many years, many years ago. Okay, we've got about two or three more minutes, and then we'll get started. Uh, here's another one also says, I'll sign up. God bless you. Which, by the way, we've, we've been very, very pleased. There's been a lot of people that have signed up, and uh, I'm just, I'm so humbled by so many people that do want to hear what God is saying. I'm also, as a matter of fact, uh, Dana Coverstone just sent me a new dream today. And it is from the eyes of the Lord, and it's showing us how God looks down on and sees Americans, especially specifically American Christians, that are not listening to what God is saying. So now they're not listening to God. They're not. They're they're just asleep. And it's. I will probably put it into a program. I've already got into a PowerPoint. I'll put it into a program next week, and it's rather deep. So it, it will take me the whole program. My thought is to go through and read it and then come back and explain it. Okay, so can you teach me about what God said about being born again? Actually, that's sort of what we're covering tonight. So you probably tuned in at the right time. I will give you this question up front to kind of get you thinking. Who was it that said it? Yeah, okay, Jacob. Okay, Jacob. So... Jacob, I'll ask you a question. Um, we've got, okay, we've got about one minute before we start. And that question is, if you're going home tonight, you're driving home, you turn the same corner, the same, you turn it all the time. Only this time you turn the corner and all of a sudden <laughs> you see the grill of a truck and there's some headlights in your eyes. And next thing you know, you wake up, you're at the pearly gates. There's Jesus. And he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your response be? Some people would say, well, I've been a good person. I haven't tried to hurt anybody. I haven't killed anybody. Uh, and the answer to all of those would be, sorry, you don't get in. So what is the correct answer? The correct answer is because I believe in you and I've accepted you to be my Lord and Savior. And I've asked your blood to wash my sins away and to write my name in the book of life. And at the end of the program, I'll explain that more in detail. As a matter of fact, the program tonight, actually the Bible study tonight is going to be going through a whole lot of that. So we're going to be able to answer that. All right, so it's 6.30, so let's start. I wish we could. We had all had a hymnal and we could all sing a couple of songs together, but since it would be basically a solo, that you know my voice ain't that good. So we will just pray and get started. So anytime... Anyone reads the Bible, in my opinion, the most important thing they can do before is to pray. Because we just can't understand the Word without the Spirit of God. So I'll say, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church Bible Study. We're going to start at Acts chapter 13, if you'd like to go ahead and start turning there. So let's pray. First of all, we say, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty just 
and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. For wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You remove the kings and set up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. Lord, we ask tonight that you would open our eyes and help us to see by your spirit the ink on the paper, but help us to understand what you said then, now, and how it affects us in the future. Show us the deep and secret things. Help us to remember the word, tie it together with other parts of your Bible, and also tie it together with our world today. And Lord, we ask you to give us souls upon souls upon souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here we go. Now, I looked last week, and it was like I was a little bitty, and the text was real big. I don't know which one is better, but I would prefer to have me about 50-50. So I'm going to take just a second and see if I can make that happen. All right, let's see. Present. And I want share screen. So let me go to entire screen. No, I want this one. Share. All right. Now, I think you're seeing the text. And I think I want it to be, no, I don't want it to look like that. I want you to see. See, you can't read the text there. I, I wish I could make it like 50-50. It's not giving me, let me click around here for just a second, see if I can make it do some kind of a 50-50 thing. Nah, nah, I'm checking everything. If I knew everybody had their Bible and they could see the text, then I would go with this, but I don't know that. Let me click a couple of things here. Stop screen, uh -huh. full screen layout. Okay, let me click something here. I don't think this is what I want. No, that's not what I want. Okay, so I guess what I'm going to have to do is this guy. See, I don't like that either. That's not what I want either. Hang on. Give me a second here. I got to learn this. I... I think I just clicked the wrong thing here. Share screen. Share screen. Share screen. Hang on. Window. Hang on. I don't think that's what I want either. I'm sorry. I probably should have done this before I got on. I thought I had it. Hang on. Wow. Well, that's really big. 
My guess is some of you can't see, you, you can't read in that format, you can't read it. I'm trying to get it. I don't like that. I don't like that either. That's better, but it's still not what I want. I had this figured out last week. I'm sorry. Try something else here. Extra camera. Slides. Not slides. We want share screen. Tire screen, Chrome tab. I don't want that. I'm trying to figure this out. Sorry. Okay, let me do this then. Wait a minute. I know how I can do this. I know how I can do this. Make it do what I want it to do. All right. Now, I bet I got it here. Hang on. Bingo. There we go. Now, I think everybody can read. Okay, let's get started. So, <laughs> not in Revelation 8. We're in Acts 13. Hang on. Not too good at this stuff here. Now. Now we're there. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius the Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and they laid hand on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and thence from sail to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Now, keep in mind, at this point, the whole book of Revelation had not been given. Uh, the books uh, of Acts, I mean, they're doing the book of Acts. That means like all of the, you know, First uh, Thessalonians and all that sort of stuff, they hadn't even been written. At this point, they have the Old Testament. Probably Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have not been written yet. They just experienced it. They saw Jesus hanging on the cross. So what are they preaching when they're saying they're going to preach? They're telling people just what the man asked earlier. They're telling people about Jesus and how Jesus can wash their sins away. And they're trying to tell them that the Old Testament said, prophesied he was coming. And here he is. Now he just crucified, got crucified. And they're trying to explain to them what they need to do is accept Jesus. Okay, so let's go on. 
Verse 5, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isles of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, had had a, a, a website on YouTube. Okay, that's kind of what we're talking about. In other words, he was saying his own thing, like a lot of people on YouTube do, and the other platforms too. Whose name was Bar Bargesus, is the way we would say it, or Bargesus, Bargesus is probably the correct pronunciation, which was the, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elemus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And still the devil today tries to keep people from going to church, reading the Bible, and listening to Prophecy Club, and listening to Bible studies. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, ghost set his eyes upon him and said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And when he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Remember, I told you, I told you a lot of times, I promised August 8th, 2015, Saturday night, Lord, what do I say for the sermon tomorrow morning? And I heard words, audible words, sitting in this chair. It wasn't exactly this monitor anymore, but it was this camera. And I heard words and says, this is a time of miracles. Miracles like no one has seen, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen. Tell them that I will meet the devil inch for inch, step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. In other words, when the Antichrist comes out with his man's Ten Commandments, God is going to show them the real Ten Commandments that were literally written with his finger into red granite, so says Ron Wyatt. Okay, so, so this guy is trying to stop the word of God, and all of a sudden, Paul says, you're not going to see anymore. I think we're going to see those kind of things. I think there's a time coming when God is going to stop the mouths of false prophets. I think he is going to raise up men and women after his own heart to really speak forth the word of truth to us. And praise God, I look forward to that day. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So a lot of times the things that the Lord speaks and he does, do convince people it's the truth. Now, in those days, Jesus was convincing people of the truth because this was a new doctrine. He was having to change a lot of attitudes. Well, in the last days, he's going to do this and more because he could be changing a lot of attitudes because a lot of people need to be saved. Verse 13, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Pergia and Pamphylia, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Presidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. After the reading of the law, so what did they do on the Sabbath day? They got together and read the law. What's that? In those days, that would be, or in 
the first five books of the Bible or the Torah. And we probably should be doing that more of our churches today. I get people emailing me, well, hey, you know, is there a church in my area that I could go to? Do you know of? No. <laughs> no churches don't want anything to do with me. Uh, they don't want to have anything to do with Prophecy Club. They don't want to know anything to do with the, the last days because the people have itching ears. The heap to themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear, not necessarily what God is saying. So consequently, the Bible is not taught in a lot of churches. Instead, they'll get up and read one scripture, and then the pastor teaches or talks for 10 or 15 minutes, then let's go to lunch. But that's not what they did then. They got up and they read the law. So that's where we are. Read verse 15. After reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent them to them, saying, You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So this is the guest. This is Paul coming into the area. And so he says, You men and brethren, if you have anything to add to the reading of the law, please do so. And Paul does so. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, You men of Israel, ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered them their manners in the wilderness. In other words, he put up with them not doing the right thing. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, being Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, now, where's he going? He's about to explain to them that the word of God, or the laws they're reading, explained to them, prophesied to them, that God one day would send them Jesus, and this man is that prophet, is Jesus. And I found David, the son of Jesse, of man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before the coming of the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But, behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whomsoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of the salvation sent. And I am it's very annoyed because what I'm seeing here is flickering. So I'm going to turn it off for a second, turn it back on, see if the flickering will go away. It's very annoying. Hang on. Okay, I'm going to close it and open it back. Takes a second. Ah! It's not flickering anymore. Now, hope it doesn't start flickering again. Still flickering, but I'll keep going. Okay, let's see. 
we have to jump up. For they that dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor the voices of the prophets, just like today, we don't recognize the voice of God in America anymore, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. In other words, they're asking them to kill the Messiah Jesus. And when they had fulfilled all this was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him on a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen of him many days, which he came up from him from Galilee to Jerusalem. I'm going to try to switch this and read this a different way. <clears throat> oh, that's a lot better. It's not flickering in my face anymore. Okay, we'll try it this way. As he was seen many days of them which came up from him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise, Jesus, which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he raised up Jesus again, and as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And it's concerning that he raised up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he said also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again, saw no corruption. Be it known unto thee, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, speaking of Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all the believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken in your prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. So they liked what Paul spoke of, said, tell us again more next week. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and the religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. You know, that's the way it ought to be. It ought to be then when the man of God comes in and speaks. People recognize it. The word spreads. They had no radio and TV. They had no advertising. It was word of mouth. So everybody said, you got to come and listen to this Paul and Barnabas guy because they're talking about a new way to get to heaven, a new way to get saved. And so the whole city showed up. Now, there's so many voices. Anybody can get themselves a YouTube channel and just, it doesn't cost them anything. They can get on there, buy themselves a $25 camera and start saying, oh, God told me this, God told me that, when he didn't speak. And it's a big problem. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which are spoken by Paul, contrary contradicting and blaspheming. 
Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So he's saying, you already rejected what I'm saying. You already turned your head. You've already turned your back to this. So God has sent me to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles hear it. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light for the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And I might say it should be in America the same way. It should be that when people get on a radio or TV and preach the gospel, by the way, <laughs> a lot of people get on radio and TV these days in America, and they're more about sending me money, send me money, send me money than are preaching the gospel. So it fails to work just preaching the word, because I can tell you, I've tried, I have wasted millions and millions of dollars trying to reach America with the warning message, with the gospel, because when you preach the true message in America these days, they don't like it. And so God gave me a dream showing me that they beat God's servants with their checkbook. In other words, they don't send donations. So consequently, they have to pull off because you got to pay to be on radio and TV in America. So we lost, I mean, just like here, in just in the DFW area. We were on radio here for a year. After we were on a year, they sent me a notification that they're going to increase the price. And it was quite a bit. I don't remember exactly what. It was like 15 or 20% increase. So at that, I had them pull a report from the computer. How much has come in from the DFW area? And I was hoping to hear that enough had come in, not only to pay for what we had paid for for the past year, but also to pay for the increase 15, 20%, whatever the station was asking for. Shockingly, I discovered that we had lost $50,000 trying to reach the Christians in the DFW area. Now, this is a major AM station. I mean, you could hear it all the way up into Oklahoma, almost up into Oklahoma City out of the DFW area. That's a big, powerful station. And we had a good time. So in that one example, I threw away $50,000 trying to reach people in the DFW area. They don't want to hear it. So that's kind of what the Jews did. They kind of said, no, no, we, we don't want to hear about this Jesus. And so they kicked him out of the city. And so God sent him over to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were here. And that's essentially what it's saying, verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. You remember the angel on the red horse uh, spoke to Demetri and said, only those people whose names are in the book of life will listen and repent. Sad to say, apparently there's not a lot of people alive right now whose names are in the book of life, because they don't seem to be repenting. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region, and all the Jews stirred up the devout, and honorable women, and the chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coasts. So the Jews, the Jews, the ones that were supposed to be receiving Jesus, he was from them, but they rejected him. Jesus said, I've sent up my father, 
and you've rejected me. But another will come in his own name, and him you will accept. In other words, the Antichrist. So what did they do? So they expelled him out of their coast, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Remember when Jesus was being crucified and the chief priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, all the leaders of what you would call those days the church, the leaders of the synagogue in those days, said, crucify him, crucify him. Said, let his blood be on us and our children. And i tell you what, if you have tried to talk to a Jew about Jesus, you would get more listening ability from talking to a telephone pole. Right now, they will not listen. But I believe there's a day coming <clears throat> when many of them will listen. There's never a day coming that they will all listen. But Jeremiah 50 verse 20 says, And the sins of Israel were sought for, and there were none. And the sins of Judah were sought for, and none were found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. So there's a time coming when God just forgives them. Not that they've earned it, not that they deserve it, not that they've accepted Jesus. I think it's because they have served their punishment, some 2,000 years of punishment. So he has punished them enough, and so he just forgives them. And many of them at that time do turn to Jesus, but a lot do not. A lot will never, ever turn to Jesus. Now let's jump to verse or chapter 14. And it came to pass in Iconium, they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake. The great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks, believed. <laughs> Wish we could get Americans to believe these days. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. We have the same thing going on in America today. There's people that stand up and say, oh, no, that's that's not true. I remember when Prophecy Club first started in June of 1993, shortly after that, the guy that invited me to do the radio program that got it started said, uh, you know, the biggest problem you're going to have, surprisingly, is not going to be from the government. It's not going to be from the secular audience. It's going to be from other Christians. Now, some 30 years later, that's exactly the people that come against Prophecy Club and people that come against the gospel that we try to preach are Christians. Long time therefore, therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hand. Okay, there's another scripture that says that when we preach the gospel, signs and wonders followed them as a confirmation. And we're going to see that again. We might see that in the next few years. I'm going to guess at least in under five years. That's a guess, not a word of the Lord. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also the Jews were the rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derby. In other words, the Holy Spirit told them, oh yeah, it's time for you to hit the road, or you're going to be stoned. Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and under the region that lieth round about. There they preached the gospel. I believe there's a time coming when the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us and tell us to leave America. I haven't talked much about that, but I've, there's a time coming. I do not think that the time is yet. Right now I heard another voice from heaven saying unto their Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, you receive not her plagues, Revelation 18. 
that time is not coming. Excuse me, it's not come. It is coming. There said a certain man of Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never walked, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. And I think what happened here, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart. And he knew that he knew that he knew, knew, knew this is what he should do. He may have even heard an audible voice. So Paul, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving the had faith to be healed. Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. You and I are going to see those kind of miracles again in our lifetime. And when the people saw that Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods who come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter, and Paul they called Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Well, they didn't understand. That's not what was really happening. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before the city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with people. So the Gentiles that believed in these stone gods accepted this. They recognized being as God. They didn't know the name of the God. They didn't understand who was really doing it. But Paul and Barnabas was about to explain that. Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you. In other words, they would not accept the people lifting Paul and Barnabas. Instead, Paul and Barnabas said, No, 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 no don't do this. This is done by Jesus Christ that was crucified. His blood is what washes your sins away. I serve him. And we see some, how do I say this? Some people of the cloth, some people in church leadership that are trying to get the adoration of the people given to them. And it should always be given to Jesus. We also are like men of passions you and preach unto you what you shall turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained restrain they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the people, out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas and Derby. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? They actually stoned Paul. Maybe he was dead. Maybe he wasn't dead. But God raised him up. I think that's pretty powerful. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and they had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, no, no. No, 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 that, that must be wrong. We're not going through the tribulation. We're going to be raptured out in a pre-trib rapture stand. Didn't you get that? Well, maybe you need to tell the King James Bible that because they say 
we go through tribulation. Now, it's not talking about the last seven-year tribulation, but it's, tribulation means trouble. Christians do go through trouble. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. After that, they had passed through Phasidia, the Cape to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Pergia, they went down into Attilia, and sent sail to Antioch from whence they had commended under the grace of God for the work which they were fulfilled. And when they were come and gathered to the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done to them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. And certain, chapter 15, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas said, No small dissension and disputation with them, in other words, there's quite a stir, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and the elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done to them. And there arose up such certain of the sect of Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. And when they, see, that's, in other words, they were disputing whether men needed to be circumcised in those days. It seems like there's always some kind of a disputation or a question or an argument. Today, the big argument is whether there's going to be a pre-trib rapture. And I can tell you that is just a big fat misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding, yes. We do get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but that does not happen until the last Pentecost, which is about four months before Jesus returns for Armageddon. At that point, we have been tested. At that point, most Christians are already dead. Okay, let's go on, though. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter, and when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know that how that by a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. See, okay, so Paul is standing there saying, I was chosen. You know I was chosen. I was chosen to to bring this word, to preach the word of God, to preach unto you Jesus. And they accepted that. But why did they accept that? Because Paul was out on the road of, uh, to Damascus, and the, the light bright on the sun came. He heard a voice, and he saw the light, but the people with him heard the voice, uh, but they didn't see the light. I think that's... No, I think they didn't hear the voice. Maybe wrong in that. Anyway... Paul was blinded until some three days later until he went into the city and he was prayed for. Well, that convinced the other people that he had really been called. Well, these days I see all kinds of people stand up and say, well, God spoke to me, God spoke to me this. I mean, people send me links to these YouTube sites 
Oh boy, there's a real good one. It's like it's like fingers on a chalkboard. I call Leslie in and say, "You see this? Do you think that's <laughs> normally there's an immediate no?" I said, "Well, okay, watch it, or at least spend like five or ten minutes trying to watch it, and give me your honest opinion." And she says the same thing I do. I said, "I can't watch it. I can't watch it in more than sixty seconds. It's not God." There are a lot of people saying I'm hearing from God these days. And they're not. They haven't been sent. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying the hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? In other words, the 613 laws of the Old Testament. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles to them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. So, they're having a big argument, just like we do today about the pre-trib rapture. Hearken unto me. Simeon uh, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all the works from the beginning of the world, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble them not, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from the pollution of idols and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. Now, today, the angel spoke to Demetri Dudeman and said, in the church, there's abortion, adultery, fornication, sodomy, divorces, and all kinds of sin. Jesus doesn't live in sin. Jesus didn't live in sin then. That was the sins of the day. Today, we have different sins, but we're still challenged not to sin. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased at the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas surnamed Barsabbas and Silas, chief among them, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Okay, so you got it? So here's what's about to happen. So they prayed. Earlier they prayed and fasted. And the Holy Spirit told them to send Paul and Barnabas, this group of people, and the church there wrote letters saying, please believe these men, accept this me, these men. They are bringing you to the, to the true word, the true gospel. I don't know how we get people to believe today. I, I would love to be able to have letters from somebody someplace saying, please believe what Stan is bringing to you. 
But you know, these days, we don't just bring the gospel. Today, a lot of our message has to be the warning, the warning that great trouble is coming. Okay, so anyway, back to the scripture. So they wrote letters, verse 24, for as much as we have heard that certain which out of the, uh, out, that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Okay, so they're having people telling people the wrong things in their days, just like we do today. So there's always a battle. So it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, like Demetri Duderman, five months, tortured, twice on the electric chair. People ought to believe that message. When he says the angel came to him and said this and such, they ought to believe it. These days, a lot of people say, I heard from God, and they haven't endured persecution. They haven't been tortured. They haven't been persecuted. Yet we're supposed to believe them. Oh, well, I, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Well, no, he didn't. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll tell you a little story. So, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but Leslie is a prophet. And she absolutely does not put up with foolishness in our church. So this past Sunday morning, I walked in and I was there an hour early. And there was only like two or three people in the sanctuary at the time. And there was a lady, and that's all I'll say about her. This lady sitting there and I went over, introduced myself, and she introduced herself as a, a pastor. I'm a pastor. I said, you're a pastor of what church? Well, I don't have a church yet, but I'm a pastor. I said, well, what do you have, like a, a home church or something? No, no, no. I, I don't have anybody following me, but I'm a pastor. And I thought, okay, that's not going to be good. So um, a little while later, Leslie comes in, and as she's walking in the door, I walked up and said, there's a lady in here that has introduced herself to be a pastor. So <laughs> Leslie really hears from God. She didn't put up with people that are lying. So she walked up to this lady and introduced herself, and she did the same introduction to Leslie as she did to me. I'm a pastor. Leslie said, no, you're not. Oh, yes, yes, I'm a pastor. She said, no, you're not. You're not a pastor. Well, anyway, the uh, the lady was 10, 15 minutes later asked to leave. See, a lot of times what comes in the door that attacks the prophets are Jezebels. And that's exactly the way a Jezebel comes in. They start announcing to people that they are something important. We had one lady come in and announce and introduce herself as a prophet. And she got about the same treatment. Uh, I can tell you there have been a few other people that have walked into our church. That's not to say that everybody is not welcome. Not, there's only been a handful of people through the, I don't know what, 25 years the church has been going. Uh, I, I guess 18 years for this particular church, this particular location. Only a handful of people that has happened to. But they don't get by with it. Because when you got a real pastor, excuse me, when you got a real prophet in the church, they hear from God, and they don't put up with that foolishness. Well, that's kind of what 
they're, that Paul and Barnabas are having to do too. They're having to go out here and straighten out some of these people who think they're hearing from God, just like we have the same problems today. All right, let's go on. I'll back up a little bit. For as much as you heard that certain which out from us have troubled you with words, averting your souls, saying, we must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. In other words, Paul Barnabas is saying, we didn't tell you that. Okay, It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. In other words, we've sent you men of God that are really bringing you the truth. You need to receive it. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good unto the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which you keep yourselves, you shall do well, fare you well. In other words, they're telling them, look, don't do these things. As Dimitri was told, in the church there's abortion, adultery, fornication, sodomy, divorces, all kinds of sin. He was told the sins in the American church. Now, as the American church listened, Dimitri spent some 10 years traveling all across America, speaking all kinds of radio and TV and churches, all kinds of Christian groups, full gospel businessmen. Now, how many of them continued to carry the message? Most people tell me that Prophecy Club is about the only one that continues to carry that message. So what it's really saying is America hasn't received that message. Should they have received it? Well, if they should have received Paul and Barnabas, you know, remember they were locked in prison. Paul just, the testimony just told us that Paul was stoned and came back to life. They should have believed them. They did. They did believe Paul and Barnabas. But America, nah. If Paul and Barnabas were come to us today, they wouldn't believe us. Matter of fact, we know that uh, Moses and also John the Revelator will be the two witnesses. I've explained that to you in my book. I wasn't prepared to show you this, but I explained that in this book. How to understand the secret door to understand Bible prophecy. And I'll explain to you, I'll give you like eight reasons why each one of them is one of the two witnesses. So there's a time coming that the two witnesses will show up and they will be heard. And I will send for you my, my two witnesses. They should be clothed in sackcloth. They'll prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth if any man will hurt them. Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth them. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. That is the morning star. So when the morning star hits the people coming after the two witnesses, they fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. All right, let's go on. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord and many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and to see how they do. Okay, so now this is the 15th chapter of Acts. Paul and Barnabas has gone out to a lot of these places, started churches. So now they're saying, let's go back and revisit their churches, see how they're doing. I would like to be able to tell you that Prophecy Club, you know, we used to have 
there was a time we were having 40 meetings a month in various cities all across America. And if I were to go back to those cities and say, hey, how are the people doing in those cities? I don't think there would be a prophecy club anymore. But here, there were. I guess what I'm trying to say, it's hard to get the word of God out. It's hard. And some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again to visit our brethren, verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Now, there's a big argument here. And who was the one that was blinded? Was that Barnabas? Paul. That was Paul. So who was the one that was called to preach more so? Was it Paul or Barnabas? It was Paul. So what's about to happen is there's about to be a fight between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, that was supposed to be the helpmeet to Paul, stands up and says, no, no, we're going to do it my way. He didn't submit. Consequently, it's going to tell you, you never hear from Barnabas again. I've seen this where, okay, I'll tell you a story. So we had this guy. One Sunday, come into our church, and this was like, let's say, church has been going like 18 years. He came into church, it was like, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, and started doing well in the church, and he, we made him an associate pastor, and his whole family started coming. He had a large family. And as a matter of fact, uh, Leslie came in one Sunday and said, God showed me that God is about to bring a woman for you, a wife. And sure enough, like 10 or 15 minutes later, there's a woman walks into church. Leslie walks over to him and says, that woman just walked in. That's her. That's your wife. He didn't want to have anything to do with her. Leslie had to go tell him and say, look, you need to go ask her to go out to eat or something. I'm telling you, God told me that's your wife. So we had to talk him into even taking her out. Well, once he took her out, her heart was revealed, and a few months later, they were both married, and last I understand, they're still married. But did he do it right? No, he didn't. One day he came to Leslie and I and said, God has told me to start a church of my own. Well, Leslie said he hadn't told me that, and I don't think you're supposed to start a church of your own. Well, I'm, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go start my own church. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this. Okay, but God hadn't told us. We can't send you out with our blessing. So he left. And his large family left. I guess it was two, maybe three years later. One of his friends talked to him. I guess grabbed a hold of his ear and said, son, there's a problem. Anyway, after that, we received a phone call from that guy, and he said, I just want to call and repent before you. For the last, I guess it was three years, he said, my ministry has absolutely gone nowhere. I look back now and I see that I should have listened. I look back and see now that I made a very big mistake. Of course, I was hoping he was going to say, so if you'll let me, I'd like to come back to the church 
where I can learn and be discipled and grow to the point to where God will use me. But he didn't say that. He instead, he just said, so we'd like for you to forgive us. You'd like for, to forgive me and, um, and, and pray that God will bless me. Bless me. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll, we forgive you and we'll pray that God bless you. But nevertheless, he still didn't do it right. See, all right, let me give you another example. You remember Bree Keaton? So when Prophecy Club first started in Kansas City, Prophecy Club started in June of 1993, and somewhere in 94, I believe it was, we started holding meetings in Kansas City. Bree Keaton, her, her husband, Steve, showed up at a meeting, wanted help. So they started helping. They were running the table. Now, that was a lot of work. In those days, I mean, they did it for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, maybe even 10 years. We had, in those days, it wasn't DVDs that were light. They were books and then these heavy VCR tapes. And we had, it started off with two or three boxes, but in the latter days, it wound up with eight or 10 of these big blue heavy bins. Each one, we estimated, weighted anywhere from 50 to 80 pounds. And they, every time they would bring all of those boxes in, take all of the books and the DVDs, put them up on a table. People coming at the table, they would, you know, exchange the, the whatever the book or whatever. Plus that, they would count the offering. Then they would have to do an inventory at the end of the meeting because whatever sold, we had to repair, we had to re, 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 return what that was for the next meeting because we had a meeting once a month there. And they did all that. Then they would pack everything back up haul all of those boxes back home, stack them up in the garage. Then next month they bring them in and they did it again. One prophecy club meeting, one I remember specifically, Spirit of the Lord came on me and I gave her a prophecy. I can still remember it. I said, I see you on a high diving board and you're looking down into the swimming pool and you're wanting to jump. But there's no water in the pool. You can't jump yet. But the day is going to come when God is going to put water in the pool and you'll be able to jump. I said, now the interpretation of that vision is right now you want to jump into the ministry, but there's no anointing in the, in the ministry. There's no water. There's no anointing. And if you jump now, it won't be good. You have to wait until God calls you to do it, till God anoints that ministry and then when you jump, you will have a ministry that will go around the globe. Well, I don't know, three, four, five years later after that, she was then called to go. God spoke to her audibly and said, pygmies. So just the one word, pygmies. The next day he spoke, go save the pygmies. So this very fair-skinned lady at probably the age of in the ballpark of 55 years old with blonde hair and blue eyes has to look up on the internet where the pygmies live. She found that the pygmies live in Africa, the deepest, darkest jungle in the world. God sends her the money and this woman all by herself and her son goes to Africa. And by the way, here's another thing. She said, Lord, I'm willing to go to Africa to save these pygmies. I just have one request. 
That is that you don't let the mosquitoes bite me or any of my team. She said there were times when the mosquitoes were flying around her so thick she could barely see past them. Her and none of her team was ever bit by a mosquito. How about that for a testimony? So she got over to the Congo, the rest of the story is, and the Lord told her to, to take food. So she took food. She had several people carrying food, and she, by the Spirit of God, she found the pygmies. She gave them all food. They all sat down and ate. And then she said, okay, what's going on? Because her, what the ministry, the first ministry she started was walking and praying cities. Like Henry Groover, she would get a map and systematically walk up and down every street in the city, praying loud, praying in the spirit, pulling down strongholds, loosening the angels to do warfare. She's told me stories of walking right up in the middle of a big skirmish that's going on. It's like she was invisible. And she walked up there in a courthouse, on a courthouse lawn, with the TV there, people on this side angry, people on that side. And she drove a stake, a wooden stake about that long, down into the ground, proclaimed it peace, and walked off. And nobody even, it acted like they didn't even see her. Nobody said anything to her. But yet, like a day or so, you'll have to tell, get the whole story from her. Like a year or like, like a day or so later, whole thing blew over. Peace. She can tell you lots of stories like that. So anyway, so she goes and she says, she feeds all the pygmies. She says, okay, so what's going on here? Because God only sends me to places where there is a lot of trouble. So what's going on? So the pygmies, through the interpreter, begin to explain that they are being killed and eaten. The Muslims of the area have been kicking the people out that are bad people. And the, so they would go out into the jungle. And so they found the easiest food in the jungle was to turn their AK-47s on the pygmies. Yes, the pygmies have these little um, bamboo, you know, like, like, like big straws. And they really do have darts that they have rubbed on the poisonous, what do you call it, the frogs. And when that dart hits the, the 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 monkey or the bird or something like that it it has a a thing in them that paralyzes them and shortly they fall out of the tree and that's how they eat monkeys and birds and things like that and as she says well you know our little darts are no contest against an ak-47 and she says and they're killing us and eating us for food so long story short now, I think the number's up to 85,000. By the way, everyone, there was like, uh, what was it? I've, a couple of hundred, 450 people there, the little pygmies. All of them received Jesus. All of them got saved. And my understanding is now is like 85,000 pygmies have come to the Lord by her. So there's a time. So let, let me give you a caution. If you think God is calling you to full-time ministry, you better pray, you better fast. And if you are sitting under someone, you need to get their blessing to leave. Don't just pick it up on your own. Think you're going to go out and start your own thing. I've seen that happen more than once. And, and it, it's not good. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you another story. So here's how I got called to Prophecy Club. 
First, I met Dimitri Dudeman, and I'll skip all that long story. I met Ron Wyatt. I invited him to speak, and Henry Gruber. I had met all these guys, invited them to speak, had them in my homes, and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I wasn't interested in being in ministry. Uh, frankly, I thought God was a bad paycheck. And I wanted to make a million dollars. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to be successful, you know. So ministry was not on the list for me, but God had other plans. So I was calling around one day. How much of this story should I tell you? I was calling around one day trying to get this guy interested in this self-improvement course I was selling at the time. Sold it for 13 years. Uh, public speaking courses, sales courses, management courses, stuff like that. This guy says, well, actually, I'm not interested in becoming better. I'm kind of backing at a business uh, to do a Bible study. Bible study? You doing a Bible study? I'd like, I'd like to come to that. He said, well, we do a Bible study out at prison. I said, even better. I'd, I'd like to come to that. We didn't think I was serious. Told me where to show up, a little church. We prayed. I showed up. I was there before them. And uh, they showed up. We prayed at the little church. We went over to do the Bible study. And an amazing thing happened that night. Uh, I'll, I'll skip that story. But one of the things God did to test me, after I got back from the tour with Ron Wyatt, I had about like 12, thir 12 or 13 of these VHS tapes. And they're all of, you know, Noah's Ark, the crossing side of the Red Sea, uh, all of these amazing things that I saw on the tour. And I whittled them down to about a one-hour video. And I said to the Lord, I said, look, if you want me to go out and show this video, then lay in the hearts of pastors to call me. And if they call me, I will go. I won't ask how far. I won't ask how many people. And I won't ask for any money. And there was a couple of times when I remember one specific place, I got all the way out to the parking lot. And the pastor came running out with a check. He says, oh, we, we took an offering for you. I'm going to give you the check because I wasn't doing it for an offering. I was doing it to just get the word out. I guess maybe I should. All right, I'll tell you the, other, the rest of the story. So when I, when I went to the jail that night to do this Bible study, I mean, you know, I, I just, I'd never done anything like this. And I, I was kind of scared. So. I followed the two guys into this little country uh, jail, local jail in Kansas. And of course, I'm thinking, lions, tigers, and bears, lions, tigers. I mean, I was expecting some guy like step off of a Harley Davidson to jump out and start beating me up in a jail or something. I didn't know what was going to happen. So we walked into this little room, and it was, it was a jail. I mean, it was, it was jail. I mean, bars every place. And he says, okay, well, wait here. Me and this other guy are going to walk down here and invite people to come to the Bible study. I'm thinking, man, you're going to leave me alone in this room? Lions, tigers, and bears. <laughs> so they came back in, and they said, okay, we, we got a few people to come to the Bible study. One guy says, by the way, there's another guy down there. He really needs to come, but he's not going to come. All of a sudden, the fear is gone. All of a sudden, this boldness came on me. I said, really? Let me go ahead and talk to him. So they had what they called a walkway. And the walkway was about like 
four foot wide, and it walked all the way down the length of this long jail. So you could go from cell to cell to cell to cell to cell talking to guys. So I said, which one was it? This guy over here. So I walked down. This guy had on an orange jumpsuit, but he had taken the top off. I could still remember it just like I'm there now. Taking the top off, and he had tied it around his waist. He had tattoos all over him, long hair, beard, greasy, dirty guy. But again, I felt this boldness. And so I said, uh, I said, why don't you come into our Bible study? He said, nah. He didn't look up. Nah. I said, look it. If you come into the Bible study, I will show you how to find true peace, joy, and happiness. He still didn't even look up. Nah. Kind of said it like that. Nah. I don't know. It did something with his lip. Nah. Nah. And I said, I said, look it. You can come back to your cell anytime you want to. But if you'll come in there, I promise I will show you how to find true peace, joy, and happiness like you've never felt in your life. Again, he still didn't even look up. Now, more boldness came on me. So I said, okay. I said, I'm from Texas. I said, down Texas way, a dare means something. I said, I dare you to come into the Bible study. He still didn't even look up. Nah. I said, okay. I said, I double dog dare you to come into the Bible study. You can come back to your cell anytime you want to. I promise I won't hurt you. I won't embarrass you. I won't make you feel uncomfortable, but I will show you how to find true peace, joy, and happiness. And at that point, he finally looked up at me. I said, what's your name? He said, Steve. I said, Steve, come on into the Bible study. All right. That's why he said it. So I'm thinking, oh no, now I'm going to be in a room with bars with this guy. You know? Anyway, so he came to the Bible study. So we sat down and there was these other two guys that run the Bible study. And then there was four or five other guys. And as we sat down, I said, look, at, I, I said, I, I promised I'd show this guy how to find true peace, joy, and happiness. So can I show him that right quick? And I said, sure, go ahead. So I explained the gospel in a short, brief way like I've never explained it before in my life. And I said, what it is doing is giving you the opportunity to have all of your sins forgiven. Another chance, a new lease on life, a chance to turn your life around. Would you like to have that extra chance? Would you like to receive Jesus? And he said, yes. So we all held hands, and I led him in the sinner's prayer. And when I looked up, tears, tears were flowing down. I mean, flowing down his face. I said, see, I said, that's how you know it's real. Because right now you're feeling more peace, joy, and happiness in your heart than you have felt in your life. Isn't that right? He said, yeah. Shortly after, oh, I forgot, I, I, I forgot to tell you the rest of the story. So I went out showing this video of Ron Wyatt and all the archaeological things we'd seen. And then one day, 
the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, no more people are going to call. I thought, nah, I don't want to hear that. I want, you know, <laughs> I want to go out and show the film more. No one called again. But about two weeks later, the radio station called and said, I'll tell you the whole story. I said, there's a guy I'm trying, I'm calling from WREN in Topeka, Kansas. And it's been dark for two years. I said, what do you mean dark? He says, well, it's been off the air for two years. We're trying to get it started again as a Christian station. And I got this guy, uh, uh, what was his name? Jack Frost, Jack L. Frost. I got this guy, I'm trying to get on, but he didn't want to come on. And he suggested that I call you and see if you wanted to pay for it. I said, well, how much is it? He said, $240 a month. I said, all right, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll donate $200 a month toward it. He called me back in five, 10 minutes. He said, he still didn't want to come on. He said, I should invite you to come on and start a program of Bible prophecy. Me. I'm thinking, I don't have anything to say. I mean, I, I just talked about Dimitri Dudem and Ron White and Henry Groover, you know, people like that. But I thought, well, you know, I, I guess I'd come on and talk about that. And that's how Prophecy Club got started. I didn't call the radio station, ask them if I could start some program on Bible prophecy. The radio station called me and asked me if I'd start the same thing with, with uh, prophetic oil. Uh, I didn't call some attorney and say, hey, I, I'm thinking about getting me uh, an oil, starting a, an oil company and going to Israel and start to, to find the oil in Israel. The attorney called me and asked me if I would be willing to start a new company to continue the vision, find oil in Israel. My exact response was, um, probably not. I'll pray about it, but probably not. And so my get me out of this prayer that night was, Lord, as you know, I don't have any $5,000 laying around to give that attorney start some oil company. So if you want me to do it, send the money. I thought that was a real good get me out of a prayer. The next day, phone rings, office calls. Lady called once to talk to you about oil in Israel. Why do people keep calling me? I don't have anything to do with oil in Israel. Well, she's been a faithful $50 a month partaker now for over 10 years. I think you ought to call her. All right, give me her number. I was going to call her anyway, but now I felt obligated. Thank you for calling. The reason I asked you to call is because two nights ago, the God, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to give you $30,000 to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. My exact words were, well, fine. She said, what? So I explained to her. Now, I say all of that to say this. If you think God is calling you to be in the ministry, well, first of all, I feel sorry for you, especially it is to start a church because, you know, I've done door-to-door -door sales for six years. I've done business and, what well, business door-to-door -door sales for 13 years. I've done some pretty difficult things. But the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is starting a church. I think starting a church is far more difficult than Prophecy Club. It is by far the most difficult thing I've done in my, my life. I would not wish it on anyone. It is extremely difficult. You have people come in that hug your neck and tell you they love you. And then they walk out the door saying bad things about you. They call themselves Christians, but they're unwilling to forgive. 
there's many of them that said, well, I don't have a problem with you. Anyway, what I'm saying is the last thing you want to do is go start your own ministry like Barnabas about to do here. We're about to back up and show you. If God hadn't called you to go into the ministry, take my warning. Don't do it. It won't work. All right, so we got uh, three more scriptures to conclude tonight. All right, let, let, let me back up. Let me back up. I want to back up. Okay. So, but Paul thought not good to take Mark with them. He departed from them from Pamphylia, went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. What else did you hear from Paul and Silas? Well, Paul and Silas, remember they were put in prison and there was an earthquake and the doors came open and the angel came and got both of them. And they did lots and lots of more wonderful and powerful things in the name of the Lord. So what happened to Barnabas? Nothing. His ministry stopped. So, word to the wise. As Brie Keaton did, she waited until the Lord called her to do it. The other guy I talked about left early without our blessing, and his ministry went nowhere. If God has not called you to start a Bible study, don't start it. Matter of fact, here, let me tell you how I got started on that. So this is how I got started on my first Bible study. I, uh, I had written up a paper about why I thought Revelation 18 was talking about America. And I walked out the front door of my house and I had the paper in my hand. Why I had it in my hand, I still don't know. And this lady was across the street and I'd never seen her before in my life. But I kind of walked over closer to her and I said, are you a Christian? She turned and big smile. Yes, I am. I said, do you like Bible prophecy? She said, why, yes, I do. Big smile. I said, well, would you mind looking at this and tell me what you think? So I handed her the piece of paper. We said goodbye and parted. That evening, I got home from work, came in by you know, 5, 5.30. Leslie says, what did you do? I don't know. What is it now? <laughs> she says, the neighbor's been calling me all day long. They want to have a Bible study, and they want you to teach them in the Bible study. Really? Me. Well, I thought, I don't know enough to teach them, but, you know, I've heard it said, if you really want to know something, teach it. So I thought, all right, well, so we started a Bible study. There I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. After that, I met Dimitri and After that, I met Henry Gruber and then Ron Wyatt. And a few years later, Prophecy Club started. Make certain that God has called you to start. Okay, now. I've been ignoring all of these comments over here. I will flip through some of them and see. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm looking for a cue on some of them. Uh, 
Okay. I'm not real good at this. Okay, maybe I don't have any questions. Looks like it's all just folks talking to each other, which is good. That's a good way you can have fellowship. I hope we didn't have anybody being mean out there because we didn't have anybody like monitoring it. I don't see any cues. Put a cue out there if you have a question. Wow. There are a lot of comments. I don't know how many people we have online. Or how many people. I, typically, there's like anywhere from 900, 1,300 people that watch the Bible study each week, you know, within a week or so. Oh, boy. Wow, there's a lot of comments. I guess that's a good thing. I'm skimming through for Q. I don't see any. Okay, well. I will close with a prayer. <clears throat> I want to say that I wish that I could meet each one of you in person. Here, let me let me click back to this. Okay. So I wish that I could meet each one of you in person. I wish it was not just a camera I was looking to. I wish I could meet you. I wish I could hug your neck. I wish we could talk and fellowship. I wish we could have uh, dinners together and all of that sort of stuff. And one of these days in heaven, I, I remember I went up to Henry Gruber one night and this is a long time before I ever thought I would be in the ministry. And I said, Henry, I said, I want you to remember me. I said, when you're up there in your big mansion, way up high in the New Jerusalem, I want you to let me come and visit you. <laughs> he said, oh, uh, I'll never have that. And I said, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Well, I believe a lot of us are going to be really blessed. And I heard a great voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he shall be with them and be their God, and they shall be with them and he shall be their God. And I didn't quote that right, but I love you. I might not have met you, but I love you and look forward to meeting you. I hope the Bible study is very helpful. I hope uh, Prophecy Club and Spirit of Prophecy Church are uh, Spirit of Prophecy Church. I hope they're all help helpful to you. And um, if you haven't seen that yet, Jason Meeks had a dream, and uh, essentially the dream is saying that there's a lot of trouble coming, and there's specifically some financial trouble coming to Prophecy Club. And he was instructed that we need to start having everybody, not just here and there, but every person that's following Prophecy Club should sign up to become a member of the Prophecy Club, hence club. And that they should all be giving a minimum gift of $9.90. You can give more if you want to, but at least $9.90. And that this is to carry us through some hard times because you don't want to lose a prophecy club. You want 
us to continue to be able to bring this to you, especially as these hard times hit. As the difficult times hit, that's when you're going to want to know more than others. And God seems to be sending information through dreams and visions and various other places to Prophecy Club to warn you. And I look back and I think about how God had me write this book. So I memorized the book of Revelation in 2017. And I wrote four books as a result of it. But this is the granddaddy. This is the one that has all of the charts in it. Charts like this. Charts like this. I hope you can see it. But I could, if I, if it was important, I could show you what the charts look like. Anyway. And he's laid on my heart that it was an important thing to put out at a time. And I believe there's going to be a time when this book, which you can get at prophecyclub.com, this is going to be the prophecy book as a companion book to the Bible, King James Bible, because this helps explain it. In case you haven't heard, and I'm not trying to convince you to buy the book. I want you to have the information in the book. What happened was I was in a conversation and I got a download. And that's nothing I've learned when God is speaking to you coming out of eternity in a split second, a millisecond, he can give you a lot of downloads. So anyway, I was in the middle of a conversation with someone. All of a sudden, I got a vision. And in the vision, what I saw was I saw the book of Revelation and the book of Revelation, excuse me, the book of Torah, the five books of the Bible, first five books, book of the Torah and the book of Revelation side by side. And then I saw, I don't have anything to show you, like, like a stick of butter between those books like this. Except for it wouldn't stick a butter. It was like a yellow time tunnel. And in that split second, I was made to know that there's one word, the word first fruits, which is found in, Re in Le Leviticus 23.10 and also Revelation 14.4. And that one word, the word first fruits, is a locked word. It is a secret door that links the Feast of Leviticus 23 to the prophecies in Revelation so that they can all be laid out in the correct chronological order, which is what you see this chart back over my... <laughs> this chart back, that's the chart. And which, by the way, you can get that at prophecyclub.com and also you can get the Watchman's Package, which what I'd recommend again at prophecyclub.com. You can also sign up to become a member of the Prophecy Club. And we ask there a donation of $9.90 a month. You can give more or less, but that's what we suggest. That's what the dream said. Anyway, while you're there, I suggest you get this book. The very best deal would be to get a collection of 40 books for a gift of $100. And that is actually five books, and it'll tell you all about it. Getting those books will give you some extra books to hand around because the point is not to just learn prophecy ourselves, brothers and sisters. The point is to be able to point people to Jesus because in the times of trouble, which apparently is just about to hit, um, 
I got more information another confirmation that it's coming possibly as soon as August. So when the trouble hits, we want to be able to point people to Jesus. When we get to heaven, we want to get up there with a lot of rewards. Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. Daniel 12, 4 says, and they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. When I get into eternity, I want to have the morning star. I want to have a lot of crowns. I want to have a lot of blessings, a lot of rewards, because I want to send a lot of people to heaven. And I see that our time is about gone. Um, oh, it says 62 watching, but but don't believe YouTube. <laughs> okay. Well, if I'd mentioned it under the program, we could have heard a whole lot more than that. Um I need wheat berries, yes? Then you want to go to josephskitchen.com. I'll take a second and explain that to you. So um, the story was about two years ago, I got this email. It said, go and watch this lady talk. And so I went there. It was a lady talking in a church. And I thought, so I emailed back and I said, can you give me a time code? You know, what she's saying. And the email just came back and said, just watch it. So I thought, all right, fine. So I started watching and I just started skipping through it. Well, she said something that caught my attention. And she was explaining how she takes wheat berries, actual grains of wheat, grinds them up and makes her own whole wheat bread and talked about all of the benefits of making her own whole wheat homemade bread. So I thought, all right, I'll give it a try. So I ordered 25, I think it was 20, might, might have been just 10 pounds of wheat and a, a, a grinder. And I didn't order a bread machine, just a grinder. And so I ground up the flour and I made a couple of loaves of bread. And I'm not much of a cook. Well, there were several mistakes we made. We didn't let it rise enough. And nevertheless, we, we had some homemade bread. First time I'd ever tried whole wheat bread. Both Leslie and I liked it. And so I said, okay, well, let's do this some more. She says, well, if you're going to do that, you better get a, we, a a bread machine because I'm not needing the bread. And I might add, now I've made about 180 loaves, and I'm going to have to make some more loaves tomorrow. Uh, and to this day, Leslie has not made one loaf of bread. She refuses to touch it. So anyway, the rest of the story. So I ordered a bread machine and started making this bread. And then it came to me that this is the way that Joseph and the Pharaoh fed the masses for seven years. Now, yes, the, the Bible mentions corn, but according to Ron White, he ain't finding any corn. What he found in these giant silos, these giant underground silos in Egypt, was wheat. They lived off of wheat for seven years. And as a result of that, they brought in the wealth, the gold and silver from all of the nations around about that. I have, what is it, like 14 different dreams and visions saying that there's about to be a food shortage. So if you'll listen to me for just a minute, I'm not saying this because I want to make money. I'm saying this because there's about to come a time when you're not going to have food if you don't listen to me right now. So please listen. What you want to do is go to josephskitchen.com. Josephskitchen.com. 
gizmo.com. You want to order a machine package. That's the gizmo you need to grind the wheat berries down into flour and a bread machine and all the other mechanical things you need to make bread. So you put the wheat berries in, push a button, 30 seconds later you have flour, you put that with six other ingredients like olive oil and things like that, yeast and the wheat into a bread machine, push a button, two hours, 20 minutes later you have a nice hot loaf of whole wheat bread. And I can tell you it has lowered my blood pressure, at least I believe it has. I mean, I, 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 I haven't had some kind of a certified thing, this is what's lowered it, but it's the only thing I can point to. I believe it's lowered my blood pressure and lowered my cholesterol. And it's also very good for you. Anyway, next thing you want to do after the machine package, you want to decide how much food you want. You want food for one person, two people, four people, or six people for a year. You order that food package. And I can tell you that Joseph Kitchen is ready to ship right now. They have all of it in stock. You order it. If you want, you might even be able to get it shipped that day. But for sure, the next day, they'll ship it all to you. Rives on a pallet. And it's everything you need to feed your family for a year. Now, if you, I suggest you order more than what you need because this famine is probably, I said probably, I don't know for sure, probably we're going to see something hit before the end of the year. And I suggest that when you get it, you go ahead and open it and you start making bread immediately. Joseph Kitchen has videos up there along with recipes and everything to tell you how to start making your bread. I suggest you start making the bread immediately as soon as you get it. And if you already have stuff from Joseph Kitchen, break it open. Start making some bread because there's a bit of an art to it. You got to learn to do and not to do certain things. And uh, I love it. So anyway, that's my suggestion. Go to josephskitchen.com. Oh, oh, oh. And if you put in a promo code, I think it's Prophecy Club. If you order so much, I think they give you a discount. So check into that. I know. They've got a warehouse full of wheat, and they are ready to go to feed a lot of people. I believe God has raised it up. God has raised it. He, he began laying on my heart. You know, this is this is what we need to do to be able to feed a lot of people. Okay, let's see. Um, anything else? Ah, I got a cue. I read that wheat is not good for diabetics. Have you heard anything like this? I know that wheat is not good for people that are into wheat intolerant. I don't think there's, there's a word for it. It's not coming to my mind right now. But I've also, Joseph Kitchen have had several people call them, say, look, I can't eat other wheat, but I can eat your wheat. So maybe they're, you're normally allergic to other people's wheat, gluten, gluten intolerant. Maybe you can't eat wheat, their wheat. So they sell it in small amounts too. So go check it. Um, I don't know about for diabetics. See, I'm not an expert on this, but I don't see how wheat could be bad for a diabetic. Now, there's four or five other, or five or six other ingredients you put into it. If honey is not good for a diabetic, then when it comes to the recipe, you don't put as much honey or you don't put honey at all. So you can change the recipe to make the loaf of bread the way you want it to be. Like, for example, when I first started making the bread, 
I started putting a lot of honey in it because I kind of liked it a little sweeter. But now my tastes have changed and I like it actually not as sweet. So I don't put as much honey in. Uh, I like my bread nice and fluffy. So I put a little bit more yeast into it, which makes it rise, makes it a little bit more fluffy. Some people don't like their bread that much. So all you have to do is put a little bit less yeast. And I've also got, we've got other recipes like cherry bread. Uh, I've made what we call sunshine bread, which is one that has things like uh, uh, sunflower seeds and all kinds of things in it. There's lots of recipes. Um, cherry bread, also cinnamon, cherry cinnamon. Yeah, you make some, uh, matter of fact, you can make pizza with it. You can make, uh, I made unleavened bread for our church with it. And that way I made it. I know what the recipe is. And I know it's unleavened, and it tastes a whole lot better than those crackers you buy in the store. So go to Joseph Kitchen and check it out. While you're there, you also I'd recommend you go to cornerstoneassetmetals.com, especially if you got some money in the bank. Man, I got another prophecy. I it's I haven't made this one into a program yet, but I got another prophecy. And it's also saying that not only food, but also all the banks are going to be closing. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So call cornerstoneassetmetals.com. Get their advice. Look, if you if you got, say, $10,000 in a bank, you better call cornerstoneassetmetals.com. If you got more than 10000 you better, 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 better really call them and get their opinion. You don't want to lose $10,000. And some of the prophecies say that's exactly what's going to happen. And, of course, uh, uh, Shane Warren said he heard the audible voice of God say that silver will skyrocket far more than gold. Okay, so I'm four minutes after. Uh, question here. Okay, listen, is there any way people can make monthly payments on Joseph Kitchen products? No. Joseph Kitchen is not a ministry. It is a business. And you can't. Well, you know, I say that. Uh, I did hear them talking about that the other day. I, you better call them. You you might be able to make payments on that because I, I I think that they actually did start something like that. What does unleavened mean? Uh, well, when you make bread, if you only put the ingredients in it without yeast, then it comes out to be a brick about this big, by about this long, and you have to cut it with a hatchet. <laughs> But if you put leaven in or lee or yeast, then that yeast grows and the bread grows like this and becomes big and light and fluffy. And that's so the unleavened is means that you're not putting the yeast in. Another way is the way they used to do it back in the days of the pyramids. You don't have to put yeast in bread, but you have to just lay it out and then the bad things that are in the atmosphere come down and hit the bread and you kind of move that around, massage that around. And eventually the, the, loaf, the loaf starts growing from the bad things or the yeast that's in the air. And you can make bread naturally like that. And that's the way they did back in the days of the pyramids. Today we have put a scoop of yeast in it and you can do it a little bit faster and easier. So you don't have to. Anyway, that's, that's what, uh, Levin is. I want to buy gold and silver, then I suggest you call cornerstoneassetmetals.com. Uh, 
Okay. Let me pray for you. <coughs> Lord, I ask a special blessing on all of these people, especially the ones that made it to the end of the Bible study. They're hungry for you. They're hungry for truth. Show them you. Show them truth. Show them your way. Lead them into the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And make certain that all of them, their family, and their grandchildren's names are in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Goodbye. I do plan to be on next week, I think. Unless wife tells me something different. And, you know, she keeps the calendar, so we will see. Bye-bye.